At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. So thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we, we, we declare that, that, that last verse, thanks be to you for your inexpressible gift. You have given us abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. You have supplied for us everything we need. And, and we thank you, Lord, this morning that you have supplied for us once again uh, your word. You, you, you speak to us. And so we, we pray and ask now again, as we hear your word, as we, as we look at this passage today, Lord, speak. Let us hear you today. Would you shape our hearts? Would you help us grow in our faith? Would you help us to abound more and more and more in Christ's likeness? Help us to see your wonderful and overflowing love, and, and may we walk with you in obedience and faith. So would your word, word work in us and through us? Would your spirit take what is yours, change our lives, make us more like Christ? Help us just to see Jesus this morning and see the gift that he is for us. And so believe and walk with you. So work out these things in us today. We're listening. We're, we're hungry for your voice this morning. We ask that you would help us now, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, we're in the last sermon, the last uh, message in this series called Overflow. Over the last five weeks, we've been studying this, these two chapters in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and, and we've been talking, very frankly, about giving and generosity and what that looks like. And, and I've been trying to, to encourage you and help you to see, not from the posture of guilt or, or from a, a tactic of manipulation or duty, but from the, the presentation of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, I've been trying to help us see what it means to be people of generosity, what it looks like for us to be people with open-handedness, to, to, to reflect the generosity and the grace of Jesus Christ 
and to be the kind of people that God calls us to be. And so in this last message, I want to ask us kind of the concluding question, what is it that keeps us from being generous? What is it really at the end of the day that keeps us from from giving and having open hands and saying to God and to our brothers and sisters and to those in need, all that that we have, it's it's yours, to, to, to open up our hands and say, here, what do you need? How can I help? Where can we be generous? What is it that keeps us from that, that generosity? I, I think many of us play the what-if game when it comes to thinking about what we have and, and how we can contribute and what we can give. We play the what-if game and we, we say this to ourselves. We become hesitant and we go, well, what if, what if I really don't have enough to give to somebody and actually meet their needs? What if, what if I lack something and, and I can't supply what they need? And so we, we, we hesitate. Maybe we, we stop being generous or we withhold because we go, I don't know if I really have enough. What if I don't have enough? Or, or, or we think about if I give it to them, we, we say it this way, what if I give but, but I need it later? What if I give to somebody and, and it comes around maybe later in the week, maybe later in the month, maybe in the next year, and, and I, I had something I was able to, to take care of that, to use it, but I gave it away, and now I need it. How, how do I handle the fact that I have a lack now in my own life? Sometimes we play the what-if game, and we go, well, what if, and then we, we think about the consequences or the responsibility of giving something away and how other people will use it. What if I give something away? What if, I, what if I meet the needs of someone who's poor? What if I give to the church? What if I give this away and they use the gift wrongly. What if it all of a sudden becomes a gift of generosity and, and integrity and it's turned into further wickedness or just poor stewardship or, or it's just wasted away? What if? I think the what if game keeps us from giving quite a bit. And, and so we place in our own lives, the, the, we, we become people of fear we fear what will happen. We, we become people of control, high power. We want to keep things in check. And, and frankly, we, we become people who love what we have. These are all things that keep us from being generous people. A study recently determined that during the height of the Depression in the 1930s, it was pre-World War II, the Dust Bowl, you, you think about that, or, or soup lines, massive unemployment in our country, The study concluded that American Christians at that time gave 3.3% of their income to help others. And and I would ask you, what would you guess it would be today? We we live in a much more affluent time. We have more access to to greater wealth, privilege, and and prosperity. There's more jobs. Unemployment rate is nothing like it was in 1930s. What would you think that American Christians would give... uh, compared to what was given in the 1930s. It's actually less. A recent study concluded that American Christians give 2.5% of their annual income these days. People who had far less and much greater affliction in America gave much more than we do with all our opulence and wealth and affluence today. Often what keeps us from giving is our fear of our inability to give, our fear of ourselves, our fear of things that we really can't control. It's our own greed, it's our own lack of love for others, and it's our own excuses. 
And so in this last message, I want to ask us the question, what is it that keeps you from giving, but, but really to take it and ask you, how can you become a person of generosity? Paul here is not done instructing the Corinthians about this gift that he has helped prepare them to give to the poor and needy saints in Jerusalem to care for them in the midst of their deep famine. And, and to conclude this call for them to give and to have this offering ready, he turns and he says to them, I want you to see just how great your God is. I, I want you to have a big view of who he is and what he's done for you so that your hands are opened up and so that you're ready to give, so that, so that in seeing him, you can reflect his generosity in your own life and become people who are truly generous as God is generous. And so I want to help us see how we can become people of generosity ourselves. The first thing that we need to do to become people of generosity, the first step that we must take is to trust God's all-sufficiency. We have to trust who God is and His sufficiency for us. You see, generosity isn't a matter of ability so much as it is a matter of faith. Generosity is a matter of trust. Catch that. It's, it's not a matter of your ability, of how much you do or don't have. Generosity ultimately is a matter of our faith. Asking the question, well, can I give? Do I have the means to give? I think is actually the wrong question to ask. We're so afraid that if we give what we have to help others, we might be in need ourselves. But here's the, here's the point that Paul makes in this text. If we know who God is and we believe that, that who he says he is in his word, if we, if we believe the scriptures are true and we believe who God says that he is, then we can give freely. We can give generously. We can give abundantly. And we know, we can know our Father in heaven will supply our needs. You see, the problem with our lack of generosity isn't so much an ability problem as it is a theology problem. We have little views of God. We don't, we don't perceive Him for who He truly is. So, so let me help us get, us get a bigger view of Him. Look with me at verse 8 here, okay? Let's just take the first four words here. God is able. God is able does that speak of any sort of incompetence on God's part? Does that, does that tell us of any lack or deficiency or, or indisposition against us? God is able. He is fully competent. He lacks nothing. He, he is diminished in no way. He has no inability, no deficiency at all. And when you think about who God is, you've got to start there. He is He is able. What is he able to do? What is his disposition to us? God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now think about that. As we think about a posture of giving, we go, okay, I, I'm called to give what I have to those who are in need. I'm called to supply the ministry of the saints. I, I'm called to serve and, and to be generous. Can I? Can I do that? And, and here, the Word of God clearly answers and says, God is able to supply He's able to make all grace abound to you. The word abound there is the word that we've taken for this series, overflow. 
God's able to make every goodness, every act of love, every mercy, every affection, all of His grace, He is able to supply everything you need. God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's not going to pour out just a limited portion of His grace. Notice this, all grace, absolutely everything you need. You've heard these sermons over the last few weeks. You hear this sermon today and you say, well, I don't know if I can give. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I'm able. And here, here, let's get our eyes on God. God is able to supply all grace to you, everything to you, to overflow to you. He's amazingly generous. And I love the fact that he calls this grace because we don't deserve his kindness and mercy. God is amazingly generous to those who don't deserve anything. What do we deserve? We're sinners, right? We've rebelled against God. We've hated His ways. We don't love Him. So all we really deserve is His his anger and fury, His justice against us. But here, God is able to supply to make all grace abound and overflow to you, to give you more grace than you could ever possibly imagine. That's God's predisposition and His heart towards you and me, sinners who don't deserve His grace. Dane Ortland, I love it, he puts it this way. He says, the deepest heart of God is not stinginess. His very nature is a giving nature. Grace floods out from His truest being to needy, weak sinners like me, like you. His his supply is so great and abounding. And so Paul can say, God is able to make all grace abound to you and overflow to you so that you, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Note, Note the movement here. God is able to, he he supplies grace, he pours out grace, and it overflows to us so that you are sufficient, you are competent, you are able. It's not a self-sufficiency here, it's not a a means of me just being able to say, oh, well, I can do it, I don't need anybody's help, I'm independent, I'm self-reliant, self-sufficient, but God supplies everything that we need so that we have all sufficiency And notice when and where and how. In all things, at all times, in every way, you may abound in every good work. Here's the principle of who we are called to be and who who God is. God is the source who supplies everything we need, and and we are the channel, we are the, 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 the vessels by which all of His grace and supply should go. If you're worried about being generous and and having enough and being competent to be generous, let this verse answer every single one of those worries. God is able, out of His grace, to cause all that grace to abound to you so that you might be fully competent, have all sufficiency in all things at all times so that you may abound in every good work. I think about little kids who like to give who want to give. I think about my own children who have who've come to me or Stephanie from time to time and said, Dad, Mom, I'd like to give something away. I, 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 want, to, I want to meet that need. I want to take care of that friend. Where do they get the, the, the supply that they give? Where do they get what they give away? 
My son Ethan hasn't taken a job up yet, so he's making zero on the family income line. Allison's getting closer as a teenager and, and starting to, but, but really she doesn't contribute much there. But how do they give out of what they have? The answer is obvious. Stephanie gives them what they need and they give it to others. They're competent to give, but the source of their generosity comes from their parents. You and I are competent to give, to care for the needs of others, to be generous people, but the supply isn't from us, it's from God who supplies everything we need. You and I don't have an ability problem, we have a faith problem. If you say, it's hard for me to give, I don't know if I'm able, I don't know if I can, you're probably not believing who God actually is, that He can, He is able to supply all grace so that you have all competence in all things at all times to abound, to abound, to overflow, that's the same word there, in every good work. You can lack nothing in that. You say, well, Paul's making stuff up, right? Where's this come from? He, he anchors this in Scripture, by the way. Paul's a good pastor here, and he says, let me, let me take you to a passage that, that demonstrates and, and reveals what I'm saying to you. He takes us as his listeners here to Psalm 112, verse 9. There the Scripture says, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The psalm speaks of the person who fears the Lord and trusts Him. It describes the solid nature of the righteous. And Paul here says, that's God. God is the righteous one. He's the righteous one who gives. He, God, has distributed freely. He's a generous God. He's, he's given to the poor, which, by the way, are you and me. We're poor and needy in every way. Spiritually, we're at the bottom. We have no good on our own. We have no spiritual life, no spiritual vitality, no spiritual hope. And God has given us everything so that we might have life with him. He's given us his son. He has not withheld one thing but to restore us, to make us his own. And so Paul can say, the scriptures can say, psalmists can say, God's righteousness endures forever. Catch the nature of God. He's generous. He's gracious. He's righteous, overflowing to you and to me and love and mercy. And so the promise comes in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower. You think about the farmer who goes out at the beginning of the spring and has his bags of seed and he just tosses it liberally everywhere. And it hits the ground. He supplies seed to the sower, God says, and bread for food. This God who supplies that, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He's after spiritual growth, spiritual resources, spiritual harvest. And he says, God has supplied this for you. What we should give away, he has supplied that seed for us to sow. And the things that we need, the daily bread that Jesus teaches us to pray for, God supplies that. He's the one who has given us every good thing. So if you just take stock of, of your possessions, of, of your income, of, of your affluence, if you just take stock of that, you have to start by seeing it all comes from God. There's not a cent that you have that God has not supplied for you. You're able. From His grace, 
to give and to be generous and to sow. He supplied for you what you need. God has given and done that so that your seed is multiplied for sowing. You can give generously and you can see an increase of the harvest of your own righteousness. If you go back to that Psalm, Psalm 112, it's the stable person, it's the wise person, it's the righteous person who gives. And the Psalm talks about the stability of their life through their generosity. Oh, that we would be people like that who are righteous in that way. So the question comes, do you trust God? Again, let's be honest about our inability in being generous. The research shows we give very little, but we have very much. And the problem is that we don't have enough. The problem, frankly, is that we're greedy. We're hoarders. We love money. I know, I know you might not like me telling you that. If you're watching on live stream, don't turn off yet, please. But it's my job as your pastor. I've got to tell you the truth and point you to the Savior. I want you to see who God is and to believe this word about him. He is for you. Didn't Jesus say to us, didn't he say, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't be anxious about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than the birds of the air? He supplies for them. Didn't Jesus say, no one can serve two masters? Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think that's American Christianity's favorite attempt. We want to do both. Jesus says we can't. And so why do we forget the character of God? Why do we hoard and stockpile and give so little? Could it be because we don't have a big view of him, that we don't trust him, we really don't believe the good news that he has promised for us? Here's the point. God gives so that we can give. The, the, the practicality of this is he supplies, he is generous, not so that we would hoard up, but so that we would be generous ourselves like he is generous. If you're in Christ, you will always be rich enough to give and to be generous. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, all competency, you and me, in all things, in every moment, at all times, in every way, you may abound in every good work. We need a bigger view of God. We need to see who He is. Let's just take a moment. I just want to call us to pause and pray. And to say, God, help us get a bigger view of you so that we are more generous. And so we see we do have everything we need to be able to give. Would you just pray for just a moment? I'll lead us and then bring us back to the word. Father, forgive us for... Forgive us for seeing too little of you. To be li- forgive us for living in fear. 
Forgive us, Father, for loving the things of this world. Forgive us of little faith. We believe this word that you are able, that your love and grace abounds to us, and you are willing and disposed and love to give so that we might be generous. So clarify our view of you. Give us greater faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. We start by trusting the all-sufficiency of God. He is the one who is fully sufficient for us to make us sufficient to give. And the second way that we can be generous, we can pursue this heart of generous generosity, is to pursue the deeper fruit of giving. There, there's so much more beneath the surface when we give than we actually think. Sometimes we just think of giving as just a material thing. I'm giving dollars to meet a lack of dollars. I'm giving food, clothing, shelter, a home, whatever it might be, to someone who does not have those things. But, but gospel-oriented giving, Christian giving, has a much deeper, much more lasting fruit than just the exchange or the transaction of, of earthly resources. Giving has a deeper fruit. And so you're not just freeing someone for hunger for a day. You're not just alleviating physical needs. Here's where we need to see the deeper perspective. What results do our generosity really bear? What, what happens when we, when we truly give and we give out of a heart of generosity? Well, here in, in verses 11 through 15, Paul speaks about what our generosity produces and I'll just draw out four of the things that he shows us there. First of all, generosity produces thanksgiving. Generosity produces thanksgiving. He says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You know what he says here? When you, when you trust the sufficiency of God, when you see that he has supplied all grace and made you fully competent to give, Guess what? You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way. When you trust God's nature and his overflowing supply of grace for you and you're generous, you're rich. Now, not with money necessarily, but you are rich. This isn't a, a prosperity gospel that says, hey, give, give a bunch of money here and then you will earn and you will reap tenfold what you give in monetary cash. That's actually the teaching of the devil. Notice here what Scripture says. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. It's, it's, a, it's a cycle of, of generosity. God gives to you. You're, you're reflecting and seeing His generous heart. You give out and, and more spiritual fruit comes in. The more generous you are, the more enriched you are to be generous. And that produces thanksgiving. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us, Paul's speaking here, he's saying, as we go to Judea and we take this offering through us, will produce in the Judeans thanksgiving to God. They will celebrate. They will praise. They will be thankful people. He says, for this ministry, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Think about that. When you give, the people who receive what you give become thankful. Well, at least they should, right? When, when you give, you realize God has given to you, and you become thankful. 
This, this thankfulness grows when we are generous people. What is one of the things that, that makes us so miserly and tight-fisted? It's because we're not appropriately thankful and see God as the source of everything. When we see God as the source of our supply, then we go, oh, well, everything I have is His, and He's given it to me, and so thank you, Lord. I, I did deserve this. I couldn't earn it on my own, and I can give it away, and they could be thankful as well. The deeper fruit of giving and generosity is thankfulness. For this ministry and this service, Paul says, this giving to the needs of the saints, it's causing another abounding, another overflow, and this time it's an overflow of thanksgiving. I want a life of thanksgiving. I want to see people be more thankful. I want you to be more thankful. I want the world to abound in thanksgiving to God. That's what worship looks like. And so the people who receive your gifts of generosity, by God's grace, they give thanks to Him because He has supplied. Again, let me, let me just pause here for a moment and thank you for your generosity to the church. And I, and I say that sincerely because I, I'm compensated, I'm paid as a pastor here to serve you in the Word and in prayer and in leadership. And, and I'm so glad I can do that. I'm called to do that, and I'm able to do that and not have to take another job and, and work in another way and do this as well. I'm freed up to serve you because of your generosity. And I thank God for that. We've been well supplied. We, we've been well provided for. And that's by God's grace and your generosity. So thank you. Thank you in that way. Thank the Lord for His generosity. Generosity produces thanksgiving, but generosity also produces unity. There's something even greater that happens in that. Thanksgiving grows, but unity happens among believers. He says in verse 13, by their approval of this, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. And what Paul is saying here is what he's getting at is you're going to give, Corinthians, you're supplying the needs of these Judean Christians who are in a famine and, and they're hurting. And that's going to be a really good thing. And in supplying your need, they're going to learn something about you. You see, the Judean Christians, the Jewish Christians at that time, they were still a little hesitant about the Gentiles and about the Gentile Christians. They were asking the question, are they, are they really God's people? We've got different cultures, different ethnicities, different practices. You could look at the early church and say, I don't know if the early church was truly one. Was it truly united? But Paul says, but when this gift comes from you Gentiles to, to these Jewish Christians, they'll approve of it. They'll glorify God because they'll go, wait, they've submitted to the Word of God themselves, they've confessed the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and they've, they've cared for us. They've contributed to our need and to others, and they'll see we're one family, we're one body. They'll see that we are one people of God. And so when we give and are generous to supply the needs with, of others and the needs within the church for ministry and mission, it, it really gives us a sense of being one body, one people, one church. Generosity tears down barriers that divide and separate us. What we see as Christians, when we give to the needs of the saints, when we, when we give to the church, to we, when we give to missions, we see we're, we're confessing the same Lord and Savior. We believe in the same hope. We care for one another. 
Our affluence and our generosity is a means to build unity among us. I love this about Woodside because the way that we give and support and serve one another around all of our campuses and in missions around the world, it reminds me we are one body. We are one people. So when there's a surplus in our giving to our general budget here, it goes to supply to campuses that have a deficit. It opens up new campuses. It keeps lighthouses on. It goes to mission work all over the world to meet the needs of our ministry partners. And there we have and see unity. So no matter what race, no matter what ethnicity or language, no matter what demographic or community, when there's generosity, unity is built. It's a deeper fruit. Generosity produces thanksgiving. It produces unity. Thirdly, generosity produces love. Produces love. Paul says here in verse 14, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Corinthians, as you give and supply the needs of the saints there, they they see your obedience to the word, they see your confession of the gospel, they see your generosity, and their affections for you grow. They long for you and they pray for you. Isn't that what love looks like? I want to see them. I want to be with them. I want to encourage them. I want to bless them. I pray for them. Generosity produces love. We actually care about each other. When you have and you give to someone in need, it connects your hearts. There's there's a a need met that, that speaks into it and says, oh, they care. They love me. When you have a need and when someone gives to meet your need, you love them all the more. You care for them all the more. Generosity, the deeper fruit of generosity, produces love among us. It produces thanksgiving, it produces unity, it produces love, and ultimately it produces worship. All of this is vertically directed to God. And note here, Paul has said several times, thanksgiving will be given to God. Thanksgiving will be given to God. God will be glorified in this. He uses an interesting word in verses 12 and 13. He says, for the ministry of this service... Again, in verse 13, the approval of this service, it's the Greek word that we get our English word liturgy from, the work of the people, worship to God. This this generosity is part of liturgy or worship to God and to who He is. Giving produces worship in us because we stand in awe of a glorious, generous God who supplies all our need. And Paul says this service will cause them to glorify God because of his surpassing grace. Verse 14, they will see the surpassing grace, the overflowing, abundant love of God upon you. See, your generosity, although it may be physical, has a much deeper and greater spiritual impact in the world than just meeting a physical need. True spiritual fruit is being born and grown as we give and are generous. The spiritual fruit of faith Trusting God, the spiritual fruit of worship, of glorifying God, the spiritual fruit of love, of caring for one another, unity, thanksgiving, all of those things are abounding. It's not just a cash transaction. It's a a sowing out of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And isn't that what we've been called to? Paul has reminded us earlier in this passage He says in verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
if you're little in generosity, you'll reap and you'll experience little in the deeper spiritual fruit of generosity. But if you're deeply generous, you'll reap a huge harvest, a bountiful, overflowing harvest of the spiritual fruit of faith and love and unity and thanksgiving and worship to God. Again, the point is this, God gives so that you and I can give. He gives so that we can be generous. He is generous so that we would be people of giving. I want to conclude this series and this message with, with the reality for us. Maybe as you've been hearing me preach these sermons over the last five weeks, you've considered these things, and, and maybe you've felt guilt. Maybe you've felt some real guilt, even some shame today. You've thought about your own generosity or lack of it, and perhaps you should feel some guilt. Yes, I will acknowledge we are greedy, stingy, ungrateful, entitled people. We don't reflect the character of God well, who is infinitely generous and has given us all things. We're guilty. And yet, verse 15 reminds us of something so profound. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. What is that inexpressible gift? Well, it's not just cash. It's not just material things. His inexpressible gift is His all-surpassing grace for us in Christ. It's His love for us. God so loved the world, He so loved you and me, that He gave His one and only Son. That Jesus was given for us to redeem us for our, from our greed. Jesus was given to be fully open-handed and just. He gave all he had for us. Jesus was given for us as the one who was never greedy, the one who never hoarded, the one who never withheld from the poor or the weak. Jesus was righteous for us in every way, and we can't earn righteousness. It's gifted to us. Jesus gifts to us his righteousness that he has accomplished, that he has actively secured in his perfect righteousness. Jesus gave himself for us and for our sins. He went to the cross considered a thief. He went to the cross taking our greed, our stinginess, our miserly cold hearts as if they were his own. And he died bearing our shame and guilt to give us pure hearts, to give us freedom, to give us forgiveness. Jesus died taking the worst of us and giving the greatest and deepest expression of love. And he was raised to life again to give us new life, to make us new creations, new people that can be and live just like him. Because of what Jesus has given, his love, his forgiveness, and his life, every good thing we can follow him in obedience and be free to live lives of utter and complete generosity. So when we say, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, we've just got to get our eyes back up to Jesus again. God gives so that we can give. Are, are you thankful for Christ and what he has done for you? You can be freed of that guilt and that shame and that disobedience of generosity. You can be freed in Christ you can know his love and grace and, and say to God, thank you, God, for your inexpressible gift for us. And in seeing Jesus live with open hands, 
trusting his sufficiency, seeking the deeper fruit of generosity, being the people of God who serve and love and give, reflecting your Father who is fully generous in every way. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of of your love. We're we're rebels, we're sinners, we're, we're opposed to you, and yet you have poured out your love for us in Christ and rescued us and redeemed us and given us new hearts. You've given us freely all things. So we thank you, Father. Help us to see your your sufficiency and your generosity more and more so that we would reflect that in our own generosity so that your name would be glorified in all the world. Help us to, to believe your word today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.